Welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. I'm your host, Miles Trout, and I'm on a mission to declutter my house one disc at a time. But first, a brief history. A Clockwork Orange is a 1971 Stanley Kubrick film starring Malcolm McDowell. This film is based on a science fiction novel by Anthony Burgess. Nominated for four Oscars, this film was well known for violence and moral dilemmas. In a dystopian future, Alex is a troubled teen who enjoys the simpler things in life, such as rape, violence, and mischief. The most famous scene depicts Alex undergoing brainwash therapy while his eyes are held open by an eyelid retractor. Alex is drowned with images of sex and violence until he is unable to act on his own violent or sexual impulses. This film asks the question, is it moral to brainwash a person to go against their baser instincts if it is for the greater good of society? Let's dig in. Welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. Hopefully that's what I'm going to be calling it. Uh, this is episode one where I have a, uh, a guest host today. His name is Will Hall. Say hello, Will. Hello. And uh, so the whole point of this podcast is that I'm going through my old discs, whether they're CDs, DVDs, video games, whatever, just trying to get rid of a whole lot of nonsense that's in my life. It's more like a purging podcast than anything. But I figure we'll watch something or read something or do something and then sit and talk about it and decide whether or not we're going to dump it. So what did we do in preparation for this one, Will? So I remember you gave some homework we had to, if we were going to recast Clockwork Orange, who would we choose? And uh, I gave it a little bit of thought. I couldn't really come up with much, but I think for the main character, I'd probably have to go with Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix? He's I, on fire right now. I feel like he, he, would, uh, he would be a good, a good fit for that role. Maybe. So you what, said you had somebody though. I, I'm I had a whole list. I had a whole list. Um, but yeah. So what we did was we watched a Clockwork Orange, and he was working on a paper about it. And I was like, well, I want my own homework, so I decided to recast it. And the man's name is Beep. Insert name here. This is going terribly. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's why there's editing, bro. This happens in all of them. They just chop huge sections out. No, this is great. We should leave all this in. Leave it all in. Oh yeah. Uh, Mr. Evan Peters, I think, would be an incredible Alex. You were you were right when you when you said you had somebody. You said that I wasn't going to know who it was, and you're you're definitely right. Have you ever seen American Horror Story? No. Have you seen any of the latest three or four X Men movies? No. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> get out your phone and look. His name's Evan Peters. He's Evan Peters. He looks like there was a shot. When we were watching the movie where Alex is in the prison and he's like taking off his clothes and he's like standing at attention and being an asshole, and just the way his hair was and the way the shot was, it he looks ex- like Evan Peters would be a great choice to replicate him, and he's a super good actor. So okay, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him now. I can totally see that. I could definitely see him playing Alex for sure. So who were who were you saying, Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, isn't he like fifty? Yeah, but he doesn't look super old. I mean, he doesn't look young. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Alex is supposed to be a teenage boy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think your choice is probably better. I just couldn't really think of anybody who could pull off, like, that demented sort of character. I'm not super into film. I'm trying to think now. I, I can't even... I can't even picture anybody else who would really fit that role. <laughs> in fact, you only see Joaquin Fe- There are no actors in general other than Joaquin Phoenix in your brain right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just every movie you've ever seen is all Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy for some reason. Yeah. He definitely would not fit. 
Eddie Murphy? No. You don't think he'd make a great Alex? No, my God, no. Did you think about any of the other people that you would cast? Is it just straight Joaquin Phoenix across the board? That's really all, all I could come up with. I probably should have put some more thought to it. How about this? If the original guy is going to play a part in this movie, like do a little cameo, who do you think he should play? Should he play the the, the novelist guy? Hmm. I don't know. I he should probably be an extra. Just in the background. In the background, yeah. Most cameos are like that, but I feel like he should actually play a role in it. Which one? I don't know. I was, like the only old guy with white hair in that movie is the novelist guy who Alex rapes his wife in front of him. Spoiler. Uh, Spoiler from a movie that's 45 years old. <laughs> right. I don't know. That'd be a little, I don't know. I think too that, on the nose. That'd be a little too much mm-hmm. having him play that large of a role. I think it would take away from the movie a little bit. Probably. I don't know. I don't, that's tough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a, a big uh, like bank of actors in my mind. Yeah, it's, from. it's not everybody's forte. It's certainly not mine. Listen to how long it took me to come up with Evan Peters' name. Um, so what was your, uh, your project about? <clears throat> so basically I have to watch a movie and diagnose the main character with some sort of a psychological disorder. I did that one for my psych class too, way back in the day. Yep. Yep. And Clockwork Orange actually wasn't on the list. So I actually asked the professor and he didn't have a problem with it, which was cool. So I'm diagnosing him with antisocial personality disorder otherwise known as psychopathy or sociopathy yeah but they the dsm-5 like wiped those two out right yeah yeah i guess they're not politically correct no but at the same time there's a difference between a sociopath and a psychopath and i feel like he was uh if i'm not mistaken a sociopath i see i always thought that the words were interchangeable i didn't know that there was a difference no, one of them is, let's see what a sociopath is defined by Google as a person with a personality disorder manifesting itself with extreme antisocial attitudes and behaviors and a lack of consequence. And I think the difference between that and a psychopath is that a psychopath is traditionally a personality disorder characterized by persistent antisocial behavior impaired empathy and remorse and bold disinhibited egotistical traits sounds about the same they are pretty similar huh i feel like one of them is like they're aware of consequences and they don't care and the other one is like not aware of consequences Mm. both equally shitty though yeah (laughs) i think the biggest thing i pulled from this most recent time watching it now that i have a, a degree in psychology is that I think he is not necessarily as violent as he is just like a master manipulator. Because every person in that movie, he manipulates. Yeah, that's definitely true. He does have a bit of a violent streak, though. He certainly fantasizes about violence, too. There's the scene where he's listening to Beethoven in his bedroom, and he's imagining all the explosions. And then the scene when he's in the library at the prison... And he's fantasizing about torturing Jesus Christ. Yes, I remember that part. That's pretty intense. Yeah, he's definitely not right. He's out there raping women and stuff, coming up with creative ways to manipulate himself into houses so that he can do terrible things to people. Yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's a psychopath. Yeah, he's, he's definitely fucks people up. He's not a nice dude. But what when I met you... 
what I noticed about your, I don't know if it was Facebook or MySpace even back then, you seemed like you were super into this movie. Why were you so into it? Oh, man. When I was a teenager, I got really into punk music, punk rock. And that was around the time when the internet was sort of becoming ubiquitous where, you know, any middle class family had internet. So I was able to go online and research like the history of punk music and I came across Clockwork Orange because that's a big part of um, the subculture. Uh, a lot of people are into that movie. A lot of punk rockers, I guess. Is it because of like the gang violence? I guess. I don't know. I th well, when Clockwork Orange first came out, I think it was like banned for a while. Um, and then I guess when VHS became a thing, they didn't release it on VHS right away for, for quite a while because it was they had some copycat crimes in the UK. Jesus. Yeah, so that's what got me into Clockwork Orange because I thought it was cool. I thought it was like the punk rock thing to do. Uh, and then as I got older and I kind of branched out into other films and then gained an appreciation for film in general, uh, then I kind of saw Clockwork Orange in a different light. Uh, it's a Kubrick film, so, you know, it's pretty good. The cinematography's good and all that stuff, so. I've seen that movie probably three times now, and I've owned it for years. But this most recent time, I really got an appreciation for, like, Kubrick's style. And every time violence is about to happen on the screen, it cuts to something completely innocent. But in the context, it seems more violent than it is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. when he goes to hit the lady in the face with the giant dick statue, it, like, cuts to cartoons of mouths. Mm -hmm. But you don't actually see him do a pile driver with the giant dick statue into her face. Right. But at the same time, it seems like an ultra-violent film and all this terrible shit is happening to people, but his style really, like, cushioned the audience from the actual brutality of it. Yeah. I think it's good that he did that. Absolutely. I feel like if it would have been bloody and gory, that would have detracted away from the real moral of the story, which, you know, is about, you know, if you condition somebody to behave a certain way, are they really a good person or... Are they just sort of a robot? You think that's what the moral of the story is? I think so. I think so. I feel like it's more about thought policing and the ability that if we can stop people from becoming criminals before they're criminals, is that moral to manipulate people based on like the rules of society rather than letting them be human beings? Like, is it moral to manipulate them into being good? It's not even necessarily that so much as, like, a slippery slope thought crimes. Like, if you have a thought that you could do something and maybe act on it someday, do we have the right as other humans to stop you before you even actually do anything? Mm. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Because, yeah, like, we all have violent thoughts. Like, I will be standing at work and someone will just be annoying me and I'll fantasize about punching them in the head or sticking their head in a sink and turning on the water. Like, it, I'm not actually going to do any of those things. Hmm. But what they did to him was they knew he was bad. So they tailored him to not be able to act on those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So is, is that, like, a, an acceptable thing to do in this society is to manipulate a person like that, even if it's they're just thinking bad things? Right. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it now and I'm wondering, you know, I'm trying to answer that question myself. It's tough because you want society to be positive. You want it to be a safe place for everybody. So there's that sort of temptation to use techniques like this to condition people to behave themselves. 
but then at the same time you know what what kind of a world are you creating <laughs> mm-hmm. you know there, there's all these people who are conditioned which you know in reality we're all conditioned anyways you know by advertising or different television shows or whatever um that's why they call it programming (laughs) yeah isn't that ironic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely interesting to think about i mean i i think i mean the government probably uses techniques like this already i mean propaganda is is one example i think of, of conditioning especially with like the internet and how they're using all of our data and shit it's they're definitely manipulating public thoughts and personas and movements by just exposing you to different things and oh, getting yeah. you to focus your energy on certain thoughts and abilities and groups i mean we already know that during the last election like uh russian uh hackers or whoever uh went on facebook and tried to manipulate public opinion about donald trump and whatnot mm-hmm. i mean if they're doing it already I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that you know our own government's probably doing the same thing yeah for sure like against us its own citizens you know mm-hmm. well i mean yeah like they're just the ones that got caught right that's the real thing about it is the ones who aren't getting caught what are they doing that's so much more intense, but this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast. There's a there's a movie that stars Tom Cruise. It's called Minority Report. Have you ever seen that movie? No. That movie kind of tackles the same kind of subject matter of like thought policing, because the premise of that movie is they have people who can like who know a person is about to commit a crime before they do it. So Tom Cruise and his team of future police come and knock down their door and arrest them before they can commit the crime. Wow. And that's it's very similar, like theme wise, to a Clockwork Orange. It's just Clockwork Orange focuses more on like the bad guy side of it, and Minority Report focuses on the good guy side of it. Gotcha. It's a good movie. You should check that one out. Sounds interesting. I, I could be wrong, but I think uh, Spielberg did it. Really? I, maybe I could be wrong. I'm very often wrong. <laughs> we need like a fact checker so we can just continue the conversation while somebody else checks the facts for us yeah like joe rogan has right. director steven spielberg yeah so yeah it's a good fucking movie i like that movie i'll have to check that out it's like more i don't know i don't think you're into like sci-fi and stuff like that it's a little bit more like post-apocalyptic sci-fi like just in a dystopian future kind of thing yeah no i'm not a big fan of uh, sci-fi but i could probably appreciate like the uh the philosophical aspect of it yeah it's 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 an interesting movie and i i don't think i own that one but when i do we'll have to watch it and have like a part two to this episode where we then talk about that thought yes. policing keep the theme up so what uh what did you like actually write your paper about you just we're talking like giving instances that gave evidence that he was a sociopath or antisocial well i haven't written the paper yet mm. but Oh, I thought you already wrote it. No, no, no. I should. I should start it, but uh, you know how that goes. No. So, <laughs> uh, basically, we just are using the DSM-5 as a reference and then, you know, citing different different uh, parts of the DSM as supporting evidence to why we believe this person has whatever personality disorder, uh, in my case, antisocial personality disorder. You know what would be interesting, though, is if instead of doing Alex, you did, like, one of the, like, the truancy officer guy that 
delights in punishing Alex at every moment. Like, I feel yeah. like that would be like a total, no one would see that shit coming, but that guy's also a super interesting psychological character. Yeah, he's like a sadist. Totally. And like, a sadist buffoon when he drinks that, <laughs> the, the denture water. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those times in that movie where, like, the first two times I watched it, I didn't even think twice about it. And then they just, like, when you pointed it out, and they just lingered so long on him being grossed out. Who drinks a random person's water that's in their bedroom when you're, like, in their house? Like, yeah. it wasn't that dude's water. He doesn't have a water sitting there. He just grabs somebody's water, and there happen to be teeth in it. I like that, though. It says something about his character. He's just kind of a, almost kind of absent-minded, I guess, that you would do something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it, funny. Yeah, he was just, like, eyes on the prize. He just really wanted to hit Alex in the balls, and then to celebrate, he had <laughs> had some teeth broth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sure whoever is listening is going to love all our swallowing sounds. Oh, no, I'm going to edit that shit out. <laughs> Usually when I'm doing podcasts, I like take people's drinks away from them and then we like have to pause and then we all just, everybody's just like, (laughs) 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 and then we come back to it. But that's like on Rogan. You remember Rogan went through that big long period where he would drink that uh, bulletproof coffee all the time. Mm -hmm. So he's always taking sips of his mug and then clearing his throat. (laughs) Yeah. And he was also like leaving interviews all the time too, because he had to take a shit. (laughs) <laughs> just whenever he drinks coffee he's just like Jamie keep it going and <laughs> takes off that's funny mm-hmm. come and get one in the yarbles if you have any yarbles complete abrupt fucking change of conversation from talking about Jamie on the JRE well listeners it's been three weeks since we've recorded this and we're debating on even how we're going to pick this shit up but here we are and uh, you'll notice a difference in the quality of the recording. I can hopefully even better. see it. It's hopefully, it, I think it's better. I can see the difference in the wave patterns and shit. You can see the difference. I can see the difference. But uh, it's been like three weeks since we've recorded. And uh, I'd like to say it's not because of laziness, but it's absolutely because of laziness that we have not finished this podcast. We kind of just abruptly stopped there. So I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with the way that we ended it. So, uh, Will has written his paper, and I want to hear how it went. What's up with that paper, Will? Yeah, it went really well. Well, I struggled to get the full five pages, but so I do have this little trick. I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but normally, uh, if I have to, instead of putting one space between paragraphs, I'll put two spaces. Like, I'll hit enter twice between the paragraphs. Do you think that your teacher... Oh, no, they always know. Yeah. They always write that at the bottom, like, too many spaces between paragraphs. But I figure if they even decide to take points off for that, it's going to be less than if if I hadn't reached the the minimum page limit. Yeah, I mean, they go from... They look at 30 of basically the same paper back to back to back, and all of a sudden, one of them has slightly (laughs) more spaces... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the other paragraphs. Um, so you want to hear my trick for that? What you do is you go to line spacing. You know, it's supposed to be like double. Yeah. Do like 2.5. And it makes it significantly longer. And a lot of times they don't realize it because it's like such a minor difference. Because it's only a half. Like it's at two. And then you just increase it like one half up one. So it, it increases your paper significantly. But it also is like 
I feel like no. that one would be easy to pick no, up. No, it's too. not. Believe it or not, it is not that much easier to pick up. Mm-hmm. I am a Microsoft Word wizard. I got special training in Microsoft Word and shit. I was on fire with that shit. I took, not only did I take a class, I like took a separate class outside of college to learn more about Microsoft Word. One of the things I love the most about Microsoft Word is the uh, citations thing. Like you can just hit insert Ooh. citation mm-hmm. and it has all the fields right there for you that you need and you just plug it in and then boom, when the, at the end of the paper, you just click works cited page and it creates a whole fucking works cited page with you with all of your information that you entered just like that. That is so usually wrong. It's not even funny. I've never been docked. You've never been? Well, no, I don't because think they it, check even, the citations. Like they're all like, it's really important that you get this right. They don't fucking check if you have a period in the right fucking spot. I mean, I check it, and it looks right to me. I mean, it, mm-hmm. they let you choose your format, like MLA or APA, and then they have all these other ones I've never even heard of. What do you used to do in MLA or APA? APA. APA is where it's at. MLA I used to do, and it feels so fucking elementary compared to the APA. They don't They do not do MLA at Hack anymore. Every, really? Everything is APA, yeah. Yeah, because all good colleges do that. I remember when I was at Hack, I had to be an expert in MLA because the teachers used to ask me to help them grade papers. So I had to be an expert in MLA. And then when I went to a real college, APA became the way to do it. And it was like I had a huge learning curve because everybody's been doing it up to this point but me. Community college is great in a lot of ways, but it's pretty shitty in some other ways. Yeah, when I first enrolled there, it was all MLA. The only time you would use APA if it was in uh, like a science type course, like technical writing type stuff. Yeah. But then once after I took my break and then I went back to school, by that time it was all APA. I don't know why MLA even exists. Actually, you know, MLA really tells you all that you need to know. But APA is like we're operating at a different level right now. We just want you to know that we want to know more. And that's really the whole point of APA. All the other ones, I've never, ever, ever seen or used them. It's probably like some shit you would only use at like Harvard or something. I'm sure that there's like a law-themed one, but APA seems to be the general accepted at this point. So uh, what did you focus on on your paper? Uh, There wasn't really a main focus. I just kind of broke it down by diagnostic criteria. Each paragraph was a different diagnostic criteria. So, like, for example, the one of them was fails to conform to social norms and laws. And then I would just create a whole big paragraph about and have all the examples of Alex, like, not conforming to laws and social norms. And then another one would be, like... uh, And you had a difficulty making five pages? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's the other one? Uses deceit for personal gain. And you still have trouble making five pages because that alone I could write five pages about. Yeah, but you can't really, though, because it's not like you're not writing a review of the movie and it's you're not giving your personal opinion about it. It's a research paper. So it's all this is what he did and this is how it fits this criteria. Mm-hmm. And that's really like all you can include. And you're only using the DSM-5. Yeah. You didn't have like... Oh, well, we had to use two academic sources. And you only used two? Yeah. Fun college hack. If you use more than one, like one more than the necessary required ones, guaranteed good grade. They're like, oh, they actually cared about this assignment. Well, I got an 87 
Dude, I... Oh, well, that's good. I hate to admit it, but I straight half-assed the help. Well, and you know what I always do? I, like, I always do half-ass the papers because, you know what? I'm a fucking adult, all right? And I realize it doesn't matter how much heart and soul I put into this paper for this two-level psych class at a community college. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have anything to prove to this professor who I will more than likely not ever see again when I graduate. You know what I mean? Kind of, except I poured my heart and soul into it to the point where nobody but me was pouring their heart and soul into papers and shit. I just, I live for that shit. So Why? I don't understand that. To me, my goal is to get a degree so I can work in the field and help people. Like, I want to do the work. To me, a degree is just a stepping stone. A college yeah, is a stepping stone. You're using logic and reason in an appropriate <laughs> way. I am the kind of person who's like, if I don't meet the page requirement, my dick's going to fall off. Like, I am so fucking hardcore in meeting every requirement. I got 100% in a lot. See, that's why I feel like you, and I've, I've said this to you before, I don't know if you remember, but I feel like you would make a good teacher. God, I fucking hate that so much. You're not the only person who's told me that. I would fucking despise being a teacher if I was a teacher. I think most teachers do anyway, though. Yeah, so that yeah that's why most teachers smoke weed and, like, cry themselves to sleep. I don't want to fucking do that shit. Fuck that. You don't want to smoke weed? Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that would be nice and if I could do that. Now. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I, I have so, so very little interest in being a teacher and hating myself and dealing with teenagers like that sounds like the worst shit in the universe i hate little kids and then i hate teenagers and i hate people in their early 20s so it's basically whoever i've advanced past i now hate that social group the only thing that would suck about being a teacher though is you can't just call in sick because you don't feel like going to work you have to do so much more work (laughs) if you're fucking sick you have to do so much more work fuck that like at other jobs where you're not teaching people. I mean, it's definitely frowned upon, but if you take a day off, it's not a huge deal as long as you're not doing it a lot. I mean, real colleges, you'll just get a notification, like you'll get a text message or something that's like, hey, your teacher's out. Don't come. Yeah. And See, if I they're don't like, have any well, real college experience. If they're like chronically sick, then someone else will step in and take over. But if it's your, your teacher has the sniffles, Enjoy your day off is basically what ends up happening. So you got 87 on this paper. That's pretty rad. Pretty pumped about it. The only thing I've really thought about in the last three weeks that I would have changed about the last half of the podcast that we did is Malcolm McDowell. Took me forever to remember that dude's name. I think he would be the best truancy officer guy. I don't know where else to fit him in. I feel like that would just be corny to have him even be in the movie. Or no, they were the dude that was sitting at a desk, right? It would just take you out of the movie. Nah, bro. Like, yeah, it would be too corny. You know, it took... Okay, so did you... You obviously haven't seen the new Lion King movie. That's not your jam. The new Lion King movie, and it's even now saying new is pretty not great because it's not that new. So the new Lion King movie, they had James Earl Jones play Mufasa again. And what took me out of that was the whole time I was thinking... Did he really play this big of a role the first time around? I don't remember them, like, rolling around and having conversations and shit. Maybe it's true. Maybe they did. But the whole time, I was just like, imagine doing something 20 years ago and being asked to replicate it exactly 20 years later. 
Like that shit is that blows. Like that took me out of the movie so hardcore. So I'm imagining Malcolm McDowell, fifty, maybe not fifty. How, what year did that come out? Like seventy something. The original Lion King? No, the uh, I'm sorry, the original Clockwork Orange. Look at that poster behind you. What year? Seventy one, I believe it was. Seventy one. So that's like math years later, thirty four, forty eight years later. Imagining Malcolm McDowell trying to replicate something similar that he like acted in in one of his first movies i'll give you that that would take you out of it i will give you that i feel like that goes on so much now in hollywood where they're they're like oh wouldn't it be so cool to have this guy in the movie again oh wouldn't that be so cool and it's yeah it just totally takes you out of the movie and it's like okay now i am completely aware of the fact that i am watching actors make a movie you know what i mean yeah i feel like back it's not the character is if the actor is well known for other things it is now the actor it's not the character anymore yeah and i feel like when you watched a movie back in the day like when you watch a movie like cool hand luke or clockwork orange for example the fuck is cool hand luke or let me tell you okay go ahead sorry when you watched a movie like that back then you were watching a piece of art you were watching a film you were watching a story and you got into the story and you related to the characters and you thought about things that were happening on the screen and you related it to your life. And there was some sort of a, a moral to the story, something that you could learn from the story or some sort of an emotion that it would bring out. And now I feel like so many movies are just gimmicky. And it's just like, oh, isn't this like such a novel idea for us to make this movie and have this in it? And oh, look, it's a remake. It's another remake of a fucking movie that's already been fucking made before. And guess what? We're going to put one of the same actors in it. Isn't that so fucking cool? It's like now movies are made to get you to buy a ticket. They're not made to entertain you. They're just made to make you want to buy a ticket. And like remind you of feelings you once had. I was going to call you a a total hipster the way you just said everything you said, but you make some pretty excellent points. Yeah. Like I, I do agree with you. It's it's more about I think it's more about nostalgia than anything. It's not like, boy, this new Ghostbusters movie is really good and we're placating to people because it's an all female cast. It's really important that we make sure to include everybody. But also Bill Murray's in it and Dan Aykroyd. I don't actually know if they were in the movie. Like I have no fucking idea. But I think they were because I saw oh, it's nice that Bill Murray was in the movie. But it could also be not true because i've not seen the movie but the whole point of what i'm saying is it's like hey do you guys remember ghostbusters we could do it again if we wanted to and then they absolutely cannot do it again hopefully i never have the person who made that movie on this podcast because that will (laughs) probably not end well for me but anyway Why do you think you would do an improv class? I feel like it would be really good for me. I feel like it would improve my conversation skills. I feel like it would help with my social anxiety. It would just help me become like a, a more extroverted person, I feel like. All the comedians I listen to, though, they say like taking an improv class doesn't, like, nothing about a comedy class makes you funny. You, you're either funny or no, I'm not, not saying it would make me funny. But it would just make you quicker, you think? Yeah. Hmm. I think it would just get me like out of my shell more, exercise that part of my brain that you know is responsible for you know communicating verbally. You know, 
Because, bro, I, dude, over the last few years, I've gone, I've become like a, a not very social person. And I've not always been that way. And I think a lot of it's because I spend more time alone now than I ever have in my life. But I feel like something like an improv class would for sure. I'll take an improv class with you. You're ta- you're asking me to do jujitsu with you. Fuck that shit. A capital F that. I'm not going to do that. Dude. I'm uh, not getting choked out. Fuck that shit. But standing you know, in front of people and pretending to have invisible guns, that sounds like fun. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of Michael the office. Scott. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was an office reference for sure. Dude, that was so funny. I was trying to yes and you earlier, and you were fucking not having it. When you were asking me for $7 because I owe you $7, I was like, yo, man, okay. I got some guavas upstairs. You don't play with that, bro. You don't, don't play with don't my, fuck with don't play with my money. You $7. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, I got some guavas upstairs. I will give you those guavas if you, you drop this $7 shit. And you're like, I really need that $7. And I'm just like, man, guavas are the blood diamonds of 2019. You need to enjoy these guavas. And you're just like... Are you drunk? Like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, God damn it. I'm just trying to yes and your shit, and you are not having it. No, I thought, I was like, okay, Miles is fucked up. He had the day <laughs> off. He got a bunch of beer. He's been drinking all day, and he's just out of it. Stone cold sober. That's what I thought. Going back to what you were saying, though, about classes. Uh, yeah, dude, I've been doing this jujitsu, man. And, dude, it is brutal. Dude, it's brutal, man. It sounds fucking horrible. Why it's... do you want me to do that? Misery loves company? I mean, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. I mean, that's got You're You're asking me to do that. And so, uh, when did I even ask you to do it? Did you know, I? Asked, yeah, you did. You asked me to do it. And then uh, my other friend, like all of my coworkers together went to a Krav Maga class. And I'm just like, it sounds like you guys are experiencing exercise. And I am not interested in dude, enjoying exercise. I feel like I'm not even that far out of shape. And dude, they it, kick your ass. It kicks my fucking ass, dude. It, and anybody will tell you this, like fighting, for whatever reason, when you fight somebody, it is one of the most exhausting things you can do. Because it's... Because you're giving your all to something for life or death situation. Yeah. It's so it's, it's the stress of that, which compounds the, the exhaustion. But then also it's like, okay, when you lift weights, you prepare yourself. You go into the gym, you put the weights on the bar, and you go, okay. I'm going to lift this weight up and down 12 times, and then I'm going to stop. And it's totally controlled, and it's on your terms. But when you're grappling in jiu-jitsu, and you're going against somebody else, it's not on your terms at all. Like, whenever the other guy wants to put his move on you or set up whatever position to choke you or whatever, he's going to do that on his terms. And being the unexperienced person that you are, like, you have to constantly respond to that, no matter what. Even if you're not ready, even if you're not, you haven't had a breath or whatever like you're fucking going and you're at the mercy of somebody who is much more experienced than you know blah 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 and it is fucking exhausting bro fuck that i am not interested in getting my ass kicked by someone who's like hey you want do you want me to do you want me to wrap my my elbow around your neck and make you wonder if you're gonna live through the day do you want me to do that you don't but that's too bad I'm going to fucking murder you right now. And I'm just going to be like, hey, sometimes I make a funny joke and people laugh and that gives me a really good high and I enjoy that. Oh, you're choking me. I don't want that shit. Yeah, but the beauty of it, though, is that you're also learning how to do that to people. Yeah, but like, no, no, like I can understand. Okay, so like I get the thrill of being the experienced one because 
this is gonna sound fucking nerdy as shit. It took me a long time to be good at my job, and I have like a kind of job that you need like certifications for, and you need to fucking work your ass off to get to where I am. And it makes me feel so good when people ask me questions and I know yeah, the answer to it. Of course. It. Yeah, that's mastery, dude. We all yeah, crave that. Like, and I'm at a point where I've pretty much mastered my shit, which is an amazing feeling because I don't get that very often in many other aspects of my life. But I'm fucking good at my job. So when people ask me, like, hey, what happens when this happens? And I can answer that. It makes me feel great. So imagining myself getting to this level of making people wonder if they're going to live through the day. That sounds amazing, but I'm not willing to put in the work of wondering if I'm going to live through the day to get there. Like, fuck that. That's the, Dude, the... you're not going to die. Nobody's going to kill you in class, bro. It's very... you got to understand, like, all these people that you're going to be sparring with or would, would spar with, I'm not saying you're going to do it, but all these people that you spar with, like, they've all been where you're at. They've been the bitch. They've been the one that was getting choked out every day. They went to class, so they're they're not gonna fucking not gonna kill you. Have you been choked out to the point where you passed out yet? No. Are you gonna let it happen? No. Why not? Why the fuck would I do that? Why not? Just try it. For one, it's extremely fucking painful when they start to <laughs> choke you, so you immediately want to tap out, whether or not you're gonna go conscious, unconscious anyway. You just want the pain to stop, so you tap out, and as soon as you tap, they stop. Someone would punch me in the arm in a joke, and I would tap out. I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done doing this. And they're like, the bell didn't even ring. What's the matter with you? I'm, be like, I'm not interested in bleeding today. Bleeding sounds like it sucks. I don't yeah. want to do that. It's hot, and it's wet, and it's gross. I don't want to do it. Even though I deal with blood all day long, I don't want to deal with my blood right now on this weird, slightly softer mat than the ground. It's great, man. I'll be honest. If you were to ask me if I like it, I would probably say no. Like, I don't even like it. Like, then why do you fucking do it? Fuck that shit. Because I can see the benefits to it. Like, and I think it's good for me. Like, I've always been kind of a pussy. Like, I've, I can relate. I've always been the kind of person that, like, was afraid of confrontation. And if somebody, like, was really, like, threatening me physically, I would always back down. And I never was able to, like, stand up for myself because So what of you're that. saying is you're smart. No, no, no. Well, on one hand, yes, smart because I realize my own limitations. But the other part of that is I want to overcome those limitations. Okay, I get that. So, and that's what's appealing to me about jujitsu. And the other thing about it is that it was designed for smaller, weaker people to use like leverage and technique in order to have an advantage over people who are stronger than you. So, you know, that's what's appealing about it to me is that. For one, it's amazing exercise. You burn so many calories doing this crazy shit. It's a social thing. You're around other dudes. You're interacting, making friends with guys. You're And you're learning how to defend yourself. I mean, not only are you learning how to defend yourself, but the fact that you have the confidence in your ability to defend yourself changes your behavior. You're so much more confident in general when you're interacting with people or whatever because you know if you needed to express yourself, you could do it calmly and assertively without being like oh man this guy can get pissed off and try to take a swing at me or whatever mm -hmm. because yesterday in class i had some fucking purple belt who's been doing it for seven years manhandled the fuck out of me and i survived like i survived that shit so now i know if i had to do some shit in real life i'd be all right
I'd be alright. Have you ever been in like a fight in real life? As an adult, no. I haven't as an adult either. I, I won't. I won't front on that part. But I've been in a, several fights in high school, and uh, I fucking hate it. It's the worst shit in the world. You yeah. fight. You fight to defend yourself. You fight to defend whatever situation has arisen where you have to be like, I'm not a bitch. But and I'm proud to say I've never like lost a fight. I've had one draw because the guy could have killed me, and I was like, I just showed up, and he's like. We both know I'll kill you, right? I'm like, yep. So I'm glad that didn't happen, but uh, I've not lost the fight, but I hate not knowing that I'm going to be okay at the end of it. Like, that is the worst feeling in the world for me is, like, if I get hit wrong, like, if he hits me in the most optimum way to disable me, it could fucking affect the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I am not into that. That is the worst shit in the world to me. So yeah. that's that's why I don't cl- take classes like kickboxing and Krav Maga and fucking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is something goes slightly wrong and I'm fucked up for the rest of my life. I don't want to do that. But what is, like, you got to live your life. Exactly. I get that too. Exactly. And that's another thing that's attractive to me is, like, I've always thought the way that you're describing right now. But it's like, you know what? Fuck. I got to live, man. And it, you know what? I'm sick of being a pussy, dude. Like, if I go to the bar, I want to be able to... If the chicks are on the prowl and they're looking over at a group of guys and they see the way I'm carrying myself like a motherfucker who doesn't give a shit, who is ready to take whatever comes, and if somebody wants to try me, there's a good chance that I'm going to be able to take them down and choke them out or break their arm. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want to be seen as that kind of guy. I want to not be a pussy. Hmm be more of a badass so i mean that's a big reason why i'm doing it even though it sucks because it does fucking suck dude i go in there and i get my ass kicked for two hours straight Mm -hmm. because i'm literally like everybody in there has been doing it for longer than i have and the coach knows he can look at he knows i'm a fucking pussy Mm. like well yeah you're soft right and he's i can tell the kind of guy that's like okay let's fucking Let's get this guy ready. Let's toughen this guy up. So he pairs me with all these big-ass, heavy motherfuckers so that I'm trying to throw these guys around and move them around and shit, and they're heavy as fuck, and it's a big pain in the ass. But whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only going to make me a better person. So, like, Alex in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, right. keep going off of no it's okay. We're going to keep this bit in. But uh, Alex in the movie, he seems like he learned all of his moves from pro wrestlers. Like, he's picking people up and throwing them onto tables and yeah. shit. I mean, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's, it's very bad fight choreography. Do you the think... best part, though, the best fight is when he's fighting his own droogs, when they're walking by that like, oh, yeah, when he, like pond thing. He, like, strategically fucks them up he really quick. He just stops real quick and just whacks that guy right in the nuts with his cane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he turns and kicks him in the stomach and then kicks him into that little pond thing. I forgot the part where he fucking pays for that shit. I totally forgot about that, where like they, they became the cops and shit. Oh, at the end. At the end, they became cops, and they fuck him up for a yeah. bit. They, like, waterboard him and shit. Yeah. Well, I don't think they waterboard I always think when people dunk someone's head in water for a while, I always say that's waterboarding. That is not what waterboarding is. But, um, yeah. So he's, he's badass at that shit. So uh, I think we should wrap this shit up because... My legs are asleep from sitting in this fucking chair. Let's wrap it, dude. 
All right. I think we should keep the DVD, bro. If it was up to me, I'd say keep the DVD, dog. Keeping the DVD is what's going to happen. It's one of my favorites. I mean, for a first episode, we got to go with something we're going to keep. So I'm going to say uh, please rate and subscribe me on whatever platform you can do that, whether you have Stitcher Premium or if you have Apple, which is probably what most of you have. I use Stitcher. Stitcher's the shit. Smash that like button. As God, they say. Jesus Christ, you sound like one of those <laughs> fucking shitheads on YouTube. I'm Ethan Bradbury. Ethan Bradbury? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> that dude from Oc TV. You, ugh, we're speaking a different language right now. I'm okay. Ethan Bradbury. <laughs> so, uh, alright, well, I would really appreciate it if you gave me some good reviews. Please rate and subscribe and all that shit. And we will hopefully have some stuff out for you bi-weekly. That is my plan. And I'm going to have some pretty abstract shit on here, so I hope you guys are ready. Uh, you have anything left that you want to say, Will? Nope. Perfect. All right. You guys have a great night, great rest of your lives, because I doubt I'll ever hear from you again. Bye now. I also want to say one special thank you to the band Memoria for the use of our theme song, Demeter off of their EP. It's a solid album. They have a lot of really great music on their Bandcamp. You can check them out and just type in Memoria on Bandcamp and they will pop right up for you. Thank you so much to them and uh, you should definitely check them out. You can also reach me at discdumppod at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter and there's a Facebook group for Disc Dump Pod fans. You should check us out on there and get involved in the discussion. Thank you guys so much, and have a wonderful day. Hi, dog.